This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. Have you ever wondered why you're supposed to avoid drinking alcohol with so many medications, but maybe you're not sure what the threat of interaction realistically poses. According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, combining drugs with alcohol not only can lead to toxic effects, but it can also make certain medications less effective. And furthermore, it's estimated that these interactions contribute to roughly 25% of all emergency room admissions with an unknown number of these interactions unrecorded. So I am here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, John Papasturgio, of course. He will take your calls and questions on everything else, but this is a big question, and I'll give the numbers out before we start. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Hi, John. Hey, it's good to be here, Libby. Thanks for coming in. So uh, what percentage of medications have to be taken without alcohol? See, this is a, that's just not an easy question to answer because there's different reasons that you may or may not be able to take meds uh, with alcohol. And it, it really is, there's certain medications we have absolute contraindications. We know, hey, you can't take alcohol with that. Metronidazole, for example, is one of them. It's a, uh, an antibiotic that's commonly prescribed. Every patient that gets prescribed uh, metronidazole, we tell them, hey, you can't take it with alcohol, right? It's, it's very important. But then there's a much broader category, and these are the medications that uh, don't directly uh, interact with alcohol, but it's the additive effects of the medication, plus we know alcohol has some very you know, uh, significant effects. They, they, they amplify each other, and what I'm getting at here is we know alcohol, for example, is a sedative. So if you're taking medications that could cause sedation, now you can amplify that uh, sedation and that could become dangerous. Can make, uh, you know, in some cases, patients could become unconscious. Uh, if they vomit, they could aspirate, for, for example. So there's that type of impact. Uh, there's the local uh, GI or stomach uh, uh, effect. For example, uh, antibiotics, we know normally they could cause a little bit of stomach upset. Now, if you combine them with alcohol, maybe that stomach upset gets worse, right? Can even lead to vomiting or, or maybe you're not taking your antibiotic properly. Then there's the third kind of broad category, and this is for for people that uh, uh, use alcohol more commonly. So they're abusing it either chronically or they drink more than they should. And what happens in this situation is the alcohol itself, it starts to have a, an impact on your liver. Your liver becomes uh, uh, not as efficient, especially at clearing medications. And we know, you know, as a percentage, uh, uh, 80% of common medications are cleared through the liver. So that's a big 
big category. Yeah. So when we talk about those more, you know, significant alcohol users, those ones could potentially be having problems with clearance uh, of the medications, the medications, uh, you know, build up in your body, and now they could have other toxic effects. So it's, it, we're talking about three or four categories here, and, and depending which one you, you fall into, it can, it can be an issue. It's always important to ask your pharmacist, hey, can I take this with alcohol or not? It's it's also an issue, I think, with some over-the-counter things. A lot of people say, like, you should not drink if you're taking Tylenol. Absolutely. So that's another good, great, good, you know, good example, a common one that we deal with in pharmacy. Uh, we know uh, uh, Tylenol is acetaminophen. Acetaminophen is found in a lot of those over-the-counter medications, cough and cold, just cough, uh, just cold, sorry. It could be, it's a plain Tylenol. There's there's so many derivatives now and, and Tylenol is, uh, you know, commonly found there because it works very well at reducing fever and managing pain. That's kind of why you take uh, uh, Tylenol. The problem is Tylenol, if you exceed, uh, you know, four grams a day in, uh, in seniors, we generally say two grams a day, so a, a lower amount, it can be hepatotoxic. Now you, you com- that means toxic uh, to, to the to- liver. Yeah, it's toxic to the liver. Now you combine that with alcohol, which even acutely could cause toxicity. Now we're worried about causing liver damage, right? So I generally tell people if you're taking Tylenol, avoid those drinks. Now, you have people that have, you know, osteoarthritis, for example, they take uh, they take uh, uh, Tylenol or acetaminophen regularly. They take it like four times a day or whatever to manage their arthritic pain. Occasionally, I'll get a question from them, is it okay if I have a drink? You know, and that's, you know, I mean, seasonally, people want to drink. They might be going out at night. Generally, what I tell them, listen, if you're going to have a drink, let's avoid that dose of Tylenol. So if you're drinking at night, avoid that uh, nighttime dose. Another common question I get from uh, a lot of people, generally the younger pe- people, is if I'm hungover, what can I take? Yeah. Can I take uh, Tylenol? And generally, I say no. Avoid the Tylenol. Let's stick to something that's in a different class. So Advil or ibuprofen, naproxen, those are NSAIDs. I find they work a little bit better for the hangover. They can upset your stomach a little bit. I was going to say, but then on with on top of the alcohol. But I guess if it's a younger person, they're probably less prone to. I think to so. Yeah. So if I have stomach, to pick yeah. between the two, yeah. I worry more about the. Uh, uh, hepato or liver toxicity. But again, I mean, it's everything in moderation. Uh, uh, you know, f- sometimes I find when I tell patients, uh, if I tell, and I have pharmacists are overly cautious, they'll say avoid alcohol completely for certain medications where you don't necessarily have to do that. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Sometimes you get different answers yeah. from different All pharmacists. The time. And it depends how cautious they want to be. But the problem with that is, and I've seen this in practice, is they're actually uh, getting the patients to not be adherent to their medication because they're going to drink either way, right? So if they're going to drink, now they're saying, well, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm not just not going to take my uh, medication today because I'm planning to go and have some drinks. The problem with that, depending on the medication, it could be dangerous. And I'll give you an example. Many of our, uh, you know, our, uh, our listeners here are probably on warfarin. And warfarin, a lot of times if you read the leaflet, uh, say don't take with alcohol. And I've had situations. Obviously, I'm not saying go out there and drink as much as you want. But if you want to have a drink or two, it's not going to throw off the the warfarin uh, that much. And what patients are doing uh, because they're afraid is they're not taking the warfarin. Warfarin is an anticoagulant. If you don't take it, you're at risk for stroke, you know, MI, the, the clots, depending on why you're taking it. 
uh, I'd rather them be adherent on that medication because it's so important and it's uh, something they shouldn't be missing doses of. So, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, we have to err on the side of caution sometimes, but we have to also be realistic. Our patients are going to go out there. They're going to have drinks. Uh, if we could control how much or advise them not to overdrink, I think that's okay as well. The other thing I think we should comment on is because I brought up is those leaflets you get when you uh, fill prescriptions. A lot of the pharmacies offer them to you. Those are very overly cautious and they're very generic. So almost all of them will say, do not drink alcohol or avoid alcohol. Ask your pharmacist if you want some more information. Uh, a lot of times the warnings are are uh, uh, generic because they're based on the monographs from the drug companies and they have to be overly cautious. So um, just ask if you're unsure and the pharmacist will give you some guidance. Okay, uh, we have to take a break. I'm going to give the numbers out again. I'm here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, John Papasturgio. We are talking about the interaction of medication and alcohol, but of course, at always, he's happy to take all of your calls and questions about medication. 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744-740 and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about alcohol and drugs and what happens when they mix. But he will answer all of your calls and your questions. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Let's go to Robert in North York. Hi, Robert. Hi, I have a question regarding diabetic meds. Why is it that if you're on Genumet and Dimicron, you cannot drink? Good. Actually, that's a real uh, a good question. And both Janumet and Dimicron, they're, one of their active ingredients is the metformin, right? And, and what we're right. afraid of with metformin is uh, um, it can, in some patients, especially uh, uh, if you affect its metabolism, called, cause something called an acidosis, right? So it could actually be potentially toxic. That being said, we have many, many diabetics that do have a drink occasionally here and there. And again, this is an example where, you know, I'd rather patients take their medication than stop taking their diabetes medication because they plan to have a drink because that could have a dramatic impact on your blood sugars uh, as well. We do have to be a little bit cautious uh, um, with, uh, with metformin specifically because of that potential for acidosis. But, uh, Robert, once in a while, if you want to have a drink, it's not absolutely contraindicated by any way. You'll see if it bothers your stomach. Metformin also, we know, uh, can be quite hard on the stomach, especially in patients that are starting it uh, uh, initially. Uh, the reason, uh, uh, you know, if you combine that with alcohol, it can be, uh, it can be uh, exaggerated as well. So be cautious. The other aspect here, especially for those patients with diabetes, if you drink alcohol regularly, we know that alcohol affects your, meta- your metabolism, your metabolic clearance, and, and we know uh, diabetes is a disease also the metabolism, right? So uh, you just got to be cautious. A drink here and there, not the end of the world. If you ask me, you, should, you know, if you're a regular drinker, what I would say is try to cut it down because it's going to affect not only the potential interaction with your metformin, it's also uh, going to affect, uh, um, uh, you know, your metabolism with respect to the... So diabetes. if you have an occasional beer, an occasional rum and coke, and I mean it really occasional because I'm not really much of a drinker, it's not a huge deal? 
it's not a huge deal at all. I, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, okay with that. Just don't overdo it. See how you feel. If you feel weird, actually, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be smart enough no, to stop. I'm talking like one once in a while. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Thank you, sir. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Robert, for that. Uh, we have a question uh, that came in. Uh, through the text here from somebody who didn't want to be on air. Now, people, it's radio. We can't see you, so don't worry about it. Call and ask away. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. But this person wanted to know about mixing cannabis and alcohol. It's a good question. It's one we get a lot. This is one where I'm concerned about the the psychotropic effects of the two different drugs, right? So you've got cannabis. We know it's got kind of a psychotropic uh, effect. Now you've got uh, alcohol, and you're combining the two. So potentially, depending on how an individual reacts on the cannabis, we can we can have again that that effect exaggerated, and that's what I'm more concerned about in this situation. We don't want people extra sedated, you know. Can it amplify the effect of the cannabis? Can the cannabis amplify amplify the effect of the alcohol? And it'll vary from patient to patient. And Generally, just the the point also very you know a lot of times uh, I guess until it's legal you don't even know what's in the cannabis and how strong it is. Absolutely. So, so that I mean this is a potential for concern. And then you have people that are combining the two. You know maybe you're okay with one drink. Maybe you're okay if you you smoke a partial joint. Now you combine the two and you're not so okay. And this is what we what we worry. About. So in this uh, situation, I try to tell the patients, try to avoid it. You know, I mean, uh, and this is uh, something we're going to have to deal with more and more, especially as uh, cannabis becomes legalized. And uh, uh, Libby, you make a very good point. It differs dramatically depending on the strain you have, uh, the different concentrations of the ingredients. I mean, uh, uh, there's no easy answer for that. My short answer is try to avoid it if you can. Okay. Uh, let's go to Werner in Tilsenburg. Hi, Werner. Hello. Go ahead. I uh, have sciatica problem, and it really drives me crazy. So the doctor wrote out Tiva Oxacet 5 mil dash 325 and Sandoz 200 mil. I take them together. Okay. Good. And your question is, can you combine that with alcohol? So this is one I'm going to say uh, we've got to be a little bit careful. And I'll tell you why that, that first uh, drug you, you you mentioned there, the Tiva Oxycoset, that's Percocet, right? So it's got oxycodone in it. That's an opioid. So now we're potentially combining an opioid with alcohol. That worries me, especially because these opioids in different people can have different effects. Uh, and we know uh, when you combine it with alcohol, I start to worry a little bit. So it, this is a situation uh, uh, where I would say no. If you're planning to drink, let's avoid taking that dose of your Percocet, which is the uh, opioid, the Tiva Oxycoset there. And then you also mentioned the Celebrex. So Celebrex, I'm not as uh, concerned, but uh, it is an NSAID, so an anti-inflammatory drug, which we know uh, can have some impact on the gastric lining. Uh, I mean, you're taking uh, one that's supposed to not do that as much as some of the other NSAIDs, but now you combine it with alcohol, which we know for people that uh, uh, drink uh, regularly, you get this gastritis, you get inflammation of the gastric lining, and sometimes you could even get esophageal varices in kind of more severe a drinker. So now we're combining 
a potentially uh, gastric toxic medication with alcohol. Uh, one or two drinks, not going to be a big deal. Chronically, I'm going to say you have to be careful as well. So uh, short answer is uh, if hold the Percocet if you're going to have a drink um, and try not to drink over drink. And I think that's kind of a message I give regularly to patients. But it's a, it's a good message, I think. Okay, Werner, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, let Bye-bye. us go to Kevin in Oakville. Hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you today? Fine, how are you? Great, thanks. Uh, just a question. I'm taking four milligrams of Coversil yep. uh, for high blood pressure and 80 milligrams of, uh, it's a generic form of um, Lipitor. Yep. Uh, combining those uh with alcohol, is that an issue? Really, really great question because those are two very, very common medications, right? So I'll address uh, each of them uh, at a time. The first one is the cover cell there. That's for blood pressure um, uh, for those that may not uh, be taking it. Uh, that There's no interaction at all with the cover cell. Where we have an interaction with alcohol and hypertension is a disease state interaction. We know alcohol releases catecholamines. Catecholamines raise your blood pressure. They cause vasoconstriction. They up your blood pressure. So in patients that drink regularly, I tell them, if you stop drinking, we may be able to get you off the medication. You'd be surprised the impact that alcohol can have on blood pressure, uh, on raising your blood pressure. Occasional drinking is not going to do that. But I'm talking people that drink more regularly, you know, three, four times a week. You stop that drinking, you may be able to come off the medication. Not everyone. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, there's a genetic component here as well. But um, it can impact your your blood pressure, but not uh, uh, really. I'm not concerned about an interaction. Now, the Lipitor or the statins, I do worry a little bit because statins, we know, they're cleared through the liver. We know in many patients, statins can be hepatotoxic or cause liver toxicity. So this is another one of those examples. Uh, irregardless of whether you're drinking, when you start therapy with a stand, your your uh, physician will do a liver function tests at about 30 days and usually annually after that. So what they're looking for is toxicity to your liver. And remember what I said earlier in the segment, we know alcohol can cause uh, liver toxicity as well. In some patients, not going to be a problem at all. In others, you may get some uh, exaggerated toxicity there. So, again, back to my message, it's not going to kill you if you have a drink or two. It's fine. Uh, I don't even think you need to hold the medications in your in your case, Kevin. What I worry about is more chronic alcohol consumption. Let's try to avoid that. But if you're going out with friends, you want to have a drink, you'll be okay. Uh, just think of the more long-term uh, impacts if you're drinking chronically. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Uh, very good. Thank you very much for your help. I no appreciate problem. it. Thanks. Let's go to Joanne in Fort McMickle. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Go ahead. Um, I wanted to talk about um, blood pressure medication. My husband takes, um, no, I can't pronounce this very well, but it's amlodipine, yep. 10 milligrams, and ramipril, 10 milligrams. Good. So he's and um, initially, he's also on metformin. So in the morning, he would take all three medications, and he would get tired about a half an hour after taking these medications. So he was blaming it on the metformin. But I've been talking to a friend of mine, and she said that these blood pressure medications cause uh, um, drowsiness or can cause drowsiness? Um, Good question, Joanne. Uh, A a little bit of different question than what we're talking about today, but I don't think so. So amlodipine, uh, ramipril, 
generally not thought to cause drowsiness. So those are two different classes of medications we use uh, uh, for to treat uh, hypertension or high blood pressure. That being said, you know, uh, drowsiness is a pretty common side effect. And if we look at the monographs of those two meds, uh, medications... Well, I did, uh, yes, and they, they did say that. It'll be there for sure. It's so, I don't think there's a medication that doesn't have drowsiness on its uh, monograph. It's not common. Uh, so what I would suggest uh, to your husband, uh, if he feels those medications are causing drowsiness, we could move those to the evening, see what happens, you know. If he's not getting the drowsiness uh, in the morning or uh, when he wakes up, he should be okay. As long as he's taking those medications, I'm not so concerned if he takes them in the morning or the evening. Uh, if they right. are causing the drowsiness, at least he's getting it prior to going to bed. Metformin generally doesn't cause drowsiness either. It's not one of their uh, its most common side effects. So let's try okay. that quick switch, move them into the evening. Uh, if, that, uh, if he's still drowsy during the day, let's look into it. It's probably not those medications. Okay. Joanne, thanks for that. I'm sorry, can I only ask? I just wanted about the impact of alcohol, regular consumption of alcohol with this medication. Uh, good question. We already so you, ca- good questions. You see, uh, Libby, how yeah. uh, people have these questions. And those, we kind of talked about those. Uh, alcohol with the hypertension, a concern, obviously, if you're drinking chronically. We don't want to release those catecholamines, cause uh, even more of a spike. And then with metformin, again, we're worried about the meta- metabolic issues, potentially with chronic alcohol consumption. It can be an issue. Let's, uh, as a general uh, kind of a theme here, let's not overdo it. You're going to have a drink, obviously, here and there, but let's try to stick to the standard. Uh, no, and then the standard seems actually pretty high. No more than, uh, I think, three drinks uh, per day for a guy, two drinks for a woman. That's still a lot of alcohol if you but, factor yeah. that in over seven days, right? So um, uh, let's stay definitely below that, and hopefully everyone will be okay. Okay, uh, let's take uh, one last one from Margaret in Kitchener. Hi, Margaret. Yeah, he keeps saying a drink, a drink, a drink, a drink. Yeah. How many ounces is he speaking of? Well, I think I'm talking about a standard drink, so uh, uh, a shot of any type of alcohol, a glass of wine, or a, a beer. I think that's generally what they consider. Okay, how like about 4% a, beer? I don't know what's normally in beer. I think it's more more than four. No, five, not, five is normal in Canada. Yeah, so yeah, like a regular beer, one Three glass of beer, like a pint of beer. I think that's considered one drink. Uh, so you'd uh, be better off telling people how many ounces instead of saying a drink. Okay, well, then we just talked about it. Let's say a shot. <laughs> not, not doubles. <laughs> Try to avoid the doubles. That was his drink. It's a good point Margaret's bringing up. Like, I mean, if you're if you're loading your drink with yeah, a double or triple <laughs> no, shot, no, I, I don't take painkillers. Yeah. but I have a uh, I have pain and I have a beer because the beer helps me feel better, and then I sleep. Well, that sounds That's all right. It. That sounds okay. Yeah, sounds safe to me. And enjoy your beer yeah. and your nap, Margaret. Thanks for your call. Mm. Okay, uh, that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. Now, just a little program note. Uh, our pharmacists are going to be on a little vacation for a few weeks, uh, coinciding actually with my vacation, but we're, we're not vacationing in the same place. I just want to make that clear. Uh, so pharmacists will be back in a few weeks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.